June the 23rd, 2016, will always be remembered, not just because it was the day that Owen, my son, was due to be born, although he wasn't. He will be remembered as the day when the British people voted to leave the European Union. In the months preceding, you probably remember, politicians and business people <coughs> went up and down the country campaigning to either vote to remain or vote to stay. They would say, vote stay because we are better together. Vote leave to make Britain strong again. And if you follow the debate, then lots of the issues that were talked about were things like immigration and housing, jobs, the prices of goods, trade regulations, and lots of other things like that. Pretty much all areas of our life seem to be affected by the outcome of this referendum. And of course, depending on how you voted, it would make a difference making your life better or making your life worse. I think it would be fair to say that a lot of stuff, the main issue around the referendum was broadly in the area of money, in some shape or form. The big question people wanted to know was, how is remaining or leaving going to affect me and my money? In what I earn? In what I can keep? In what I have to pay? Those are the questions at stake. And people want to know the answers because money affects us in all sorts of ways. Every day, money influences our life. We need money to be able to live. We gain money and possessions to survive. Take Sam. He has a decent job, provides him with a good enough income that enables him to buy a house and furniture to fill his house. He has money to buy clothes to wear, technology to entertain his family, a car to fill a garage and drive him from place to place. Although he hates that he has to give some back to the government and pay his utility bills, he's able to store some of it in his bank and invest it in the future. He earns money and he gathers money to be able to live. And so for this guy, as for most of us, all of us, money affects our life. But because this man has a home and he has lots of nice stuff in it. He has money in the bank, and that gets added to each month. He feels happy, content. He feels secure. He feels pleased. And it isn't long before he doesn't just gain money to live, but he lives to gain money. And I wonder, is that not the mindset of many people in our society? In Oxford. Is that how you think about money? People live to gain wealth, to live, but they believe that that wealth will then bring them happiness and contentment. But the problem is that when people live to gain money, to gain wealth, what really happens is that their wealth gains them. People become controlled by the things that they have and there's a fear of losing it so they keep it their pressure's about protecting what's theirs there's a growing dissatisfaction with what we have and say we want more to feel better we become proud perhaps of the things that we have of the achievements and 
and then the desire for God and all the things related to him are completely eradicated because there's no need for God. I can survive by myself and I'm happy without him. Now, if you're a Christian here this, this evening, then I, I hope that it's your desire that you gain wealth to live, but that you don't live for your wealth, but we live for God. But, but of course I wonder how easy it is for us to fall into the trap of having money controlling our lives in some way. As we gain wealth to live, we can be enticed to live for gaining wealth. And I think in our passage this evening, in Matthew 6, Jesus gives a stark warning about this. Remember, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is speaking to people who are there listening, and those who perhaps will want to follow him. And so he's teaching them, This is what it means to be a follower of me. This is what it means to live an authentic spiritual life. And because money is such a huge thing in our lives, he has something important to say about it. Which we'll cover this week and next week's sermon as well. So as we work through these verses, let me let you ask yourselves some questions. What is your attitude towards money? In terms of what is its purpose in your life? What's your attitude towards the purpose of money? And then secondly, how do you use your money, your possessions? Let's call it wealth. So what's your attitude towards it and how do you use your wealth? Let's take a look. Verse 19 to 21. Read it together. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus talks about treasure. What is this treasure that he's speaking about. Well, I think in this context it's money and possessions, it's things that people have. I'm going to call it wealth. Jesus uses the image of treasure that brings money into our minds or precious things. He refers to money at the end of the passage and as we'll see a little bit later the, that in, the uh, metaphor of an eye is also about our attitude towards money. It doesn't matter how much we have or how little we have. Wealth uh, is important to us to some extent. Let's think about those people who are listening to Jesus. So, on the mountainside, people are there listening. What does treasure mean to them? Well, it probably means many things, but perhaps it means that they're having precious metals, gold and silver. Of course, they're important to us today. People would have collected or stored up jars or ornaments made of nice, precious materials. Maybe it means that they collect fine garments, nice lovely clothes that they would wear to display. Many people in those times would store up grain and food. Famines and droughts were common and so they want to make sure they have protection and something to keep them going in the hard times. But Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. So does he mean that buying a house And filling it with possessions is bad? Does he mean that we should save money? 
We shouldn't invest in a pension. Does he mean that these are the things what it mean, these are the things it means to store up treasures on earth? Well, I think on the one hand, no, he's not saying that. But I think on the other hand, in one sense, he says yes. But I think what matters most is our attitude and our motive and how we use our money. Think, think about this. If you gather money, if you earn it through your work, you gather money to simply buy a nice big house and then years later to buy another nice big house and then you invest enough, you have enough to retire, to downsize to an even nicer house with money left over to spare, then maybe that is what it means to store up treasure on earth. Or if we live to have the latest and the best of everything. We want to live at the highest possible standard according to our earnings. Maybe that's what it means to store up treasures on earth. Well, what's the problem with storing treasure on earth? Surely God wants us to have a good life and to enjoy the things that he has given us. Well, Jesus begins by saying, don't store your treasure on earth because it's where moths and vermin destroy, it's where thieves break in and steal. Treasure on earth is always going to be in danger, it's always going to be in danger of being taken away, of being destroyed. Treasure on earth doesn't last, doesn't last forever. Think of those things that the, the New Testament disciples would store. Clothes, metal and food. And then think of your experience of those things. You go to your wardrobe and you, to get out your winter wardrobe, as you will do in, hopefully in, in a few weeks, and you find that your dress or your jeans have holes in them for moths. You go to your store cupboard to get a packet of rice and you see there's a hole in the bottom and Half of it's gone. Those mice have been back again. Or you turn on the news and you see that the bank where your safety deposit box is kept has been stolen by some clever men who drilled a hole through the vault wall. Treasure that is simply anything we just simply possess, let alone store up, has a habit of coming to an end. It either gets lost, it gets stolen, it gets old. It goes out of fashion. But even if treasure outlives you, the problem is you're not here to enjoy it. Don't store up treasure because it won't last. But there's a more important reason why we shouldn't store up treasure on earth. We'll come to that in a minute. So Jesus says a better thing to do is to store your treasure in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. So, store your house and your possessions in heaven. Put your money in heaven's bank, and not in HSBC. Is that what Jesus means by storing treasure in heaven? Well, I do think that he is talking about the same kind of treasure, and there's no reason why we shouldn't think he's not. So how do we store our wealth in heaven. The storing treasure in heaven means that we use our wealth, we collect it, not for the good of earth, not for the good of ourselves, but for the good of heaven, for the benefit of the kingdom of God. 
We store treasure in heaven so it is useful for the purposes that it will make a difference for eternity. So, for example, when you buy a house, buy a house with the intention of opening it up, inviting people in, sharing it. Have possessions, but hold on to them loosely. Be willing to give them freely to those who are in need. Saving money for the future is wise, but save to serve God rather than give yourself a comfortable life. Keep money back each month purposely to to give it to those who need and to bless others. These are the sorts of things about what it means to stir up your treasure in heaven. And why are they treasures in heaven? Because when your wealth supports those who are needy, Jesus sees it and he rewards it. We thought about this a few weeks ago when we give Jesus sees us. When your wealth finances a mission and people become Christians who will be in heaven, you're investing in something that will last. When you open up your home to those who are lonely, weak, hurting or poor, then you're living your life in the way that the Lord Jesus wants you to live. And you're using the things that he has given for him and for his glory. So let's store our treasure in heaven and not on earth. Store our treasure in heaven because, Jesus says, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's quite a strong statement. Our hearts are not just this small organ right here that pump the blood around our bodies. But spiritually our hearts are the centre of our life. It's where our loves come from, our things that we trust. It's the place that directs our worship. So if our treasure is on earth, as we accumulate things for ourselves, around us, then our heart, our love, our worship will be found on earth too. In those things. And what's the danger of worshipping things of the world? They don't last. They break, they'll let you down, they'll control you, and they'll rob your heart. Wasn't it Jesus who said, what good is it if someone gains the whole world and yet forfeits their soul? But when we store our treasure in heaven, when we focus on God and his kingdom, then our heart, our life and our worship is towards him. One commentator said that if he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he would, have, he would have put that sentence the other way around. So he wouldn't have said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But he would have said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Seems to be right, doesn't it? That surely what our heart loves are the things that we move towards. And of course that's true. But Jesus is warning his listeners to be careful for the things that you give your attention to will draw your heart away. And of course that's relevant in all sorts of things in life, not just in money. When we give our attention and we spend our time and our money and and ourselves on anything in the world, we must be careful that our heart doesn't follow. I think that helps us to move on to the next 
fit. Thinking about our heart's desire. Let's read verse 22-23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So Jesus seems to go off on some strange tangent here, talking about the eye being a lamp to the body. Of course we know when a lamp is turned on, we can see things in the room, it lights up and we can do stuff. Well, similarly, when we think about our eye, our eye enables our whole body to be able to move. We can see to, to do things. And Jesus says that when our eye is healthy, so when we can see and it's clear, our vision is clear and it's not diseased, then we can see and we can do stuff. And in that sense, our body is full of light. It's able to do things. But if our eye is unhealthy, if it's blurry or diseased or you're blind, then you either find it very hard to see or you can't see at all and therefore you can't do many things very well. And so in that sense, your body is full of darkness. So your eye, having good eyesight, is important for living. But you might wonder, what on earth has that got to do with wealth? What has that got to do with what we're thinking about tonight? Well, it's all about attitude. There's a subtle connection, and it's all to do with the words healthy and unhealthy, which don't help because they're not very good translations. They're supposed to help us because the original words just don't make sense for us in our own culture. But actually, we need to try and understand them to get what it is that Jesus says. So, for example, when Jesus says a healthy eye, what he literally means is having a single eye. And when he says having an unhealthy eye, he literally means having an evil eye. But what does that mean? Well, think about it. Maybe you know someone who has a a good eye for something. My wife has a good eye for a bargain. She has an inclination towards something that's good, a taste for something. Well, to have a single eye means to have a generous eye, a generous attitude, an inclination and a, a leaning towards giving and other people. And on the other hand, having an evil eye means having an eye that's cross-self, stingy or envious. So they're the two opposites that Jesus is talking about, our attitude towards things, and in particular wealth here, you're either generous or you're selfish. So Jesus basically says that if you have a generous heart, a generous attitude and spirit towards your wealth, your body is full of light, which means that you, in terms of God's kingdom, you're useful. You're living your life in a way that is good and pleasing to God. But of course, if you have an evil eye, a stingy, selfish heart, an attitude towards your wealth, then your body is full of darkness. And in kingdom terms, that means that you're not useful. You're not living your life in a way that pleases God. You could even say it's a waste. 
Things you gain, treasure for yourself, and don't use it for God, then what are you doing? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. As we gain wealth to live, don't live to gain wealth, because wealth will then gain you. There's a song by Christian Van called The American Dream. These are some of the words. All work and no play may make Jack a dull boy. All work and no God has left Jack with a lost soul. But he's moving on full steam. He's chasing the American dream. He's going to give his family the finer things. Later on it says, his American dream is beginning to seem more and more like a nightmare with every passing day. Daddy, can you come to my game? Oh baby, please don't work late. Another wasted weekend and they're slipping away. Because he works all day and he lies awake at night. He tells them things will get better, just take a little more time. He used to say, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But if he loses his soul, what has he gained in the end? I'll take a shack on a rock over a castle in the sand. Because he worked and he built with his own two hands. And he poured all he had in a castle made with sand. But the wind and the rain are coming crashing in. Time will tell just how long his kingdom stands. It's powerful. A life invested in treasure on earth will not last. It will remain. A life invested in treasures in heaven will last. But what's more important is where our heart is. What is your attitude towards the purpose of wealth? How do you use the wealth that you get? Why not take some time this month to, to think when your paycheck comes in, when you get your pocket money, or your birthday money, ask yourself, How much will I spend and on what? How much will I save and what for? How much will I give and why not more? How much will I spend? How much will I save? How much will I give? And I wonder, as I have been doing this week, Our responses to those kind of questions reveal a lot about our own attitude towards wealth, towards the things that we have. Jesus calls us to be generous. Our wealth should be used for the good of things that will last forever. Life is so short. Eternity is just that. Life for us as Christians is not about the now. It's not about being as happy as you can be. As content and as peace, it's not about the safety and the security of earthly inheritance. Because when life is all done, all those things mean absolutely nothing. But as Christians, we have been given an eternal wealth. A wealth that is far greater than anything this world could give us. It outshines it because, because it's Jesus. 
In him we see a man who lived a life that was for the good of others. A life that was generous. He gave himself. He gave his, his time, his love, his power, his wisdom. And of course he gave his life. His life, his generous gift, came at the highest price for God. He bore the sin and the wrath. Why? For the sake of eternity. To store up treasure in heaven. And what is that treasure? It's you. If you trust in him. By giving our hearts to Jesus, we will be found in heaven on that last day. And so let's live our lives in a way that reflect that. Now, we've come to the end of verse 23, but yet there's one more verse. Jesus has not finished just yet. Because you might think, okay Andy, but why can't I do both? Can I store treasure on earth, but also store it in heaven? Can I live now and have some comfort, because you know, it makes life easy, but also give to good gospel causes? Well, what does Jesus say? Take a look, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so thirdly, serve your master, Jesus. In Jesus' day, slaves were generally owned by one person. You had one master and you did what he wanted you to do. If, for some reason, you had two, then you'll have a problem because each master will require things of you, will make demands on your time and of your resources. You'll have requests to carry out certain duties and tasks and they may be different and conflicting in which one are you going to choose. You'll have to decide to follow one and obey one, give your time to one rather than the other. Naturally, if you obey one, you disobey the other. And so when it comes to, to wealth, to our money and our possessions, then if we decide to save our wealth, we can't give it. Likewise, if we give our wealth, then we can't save it. We can't give and keep at the same time. You can't have your cake and eat it, as the saying goes. And so if there is a call to give to gospel work, but we want to save or buy this or that, then we can't do both. One will win. When we see a need and we help a little, but we help ourselves more, are we really serving? If we buy the best that we can, rather than settling for something cheaper for the sake of being able to serve the kingdom, what does that tell us about our attitude towards our wealth? Now, of course, we need to gain wealth to live. Jesus is not saying sell absolutely everything. I mean, he might. He might call you to do that. But he does ask you to think about how you use the wealth that you have. Because as we gain wealth to live, 
We've got to be careful that we don't live to gain wealth. Otherwise, wealth will gain you. Do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? The early Christians are selling all their possessions and giving their money to the apostles so they can use it to help the needy and to preach the gospel. Ananias and Sapphira, they sell their land and they bring some of the money. And Peter confronts them because the Holy Spirit has shown him that their true heart, their true attitude towards money is that they want it for themselves. Tragically, they die. They tried to serve both God and money. Why? Because they didn't trust that God could provide for their needs. So they decided to trust in their wealth themselves. And we'll think more about trusting God for our needs next week. So do come back for part two. You've probably seen in the movies or on TV documentaries that the ancient Egyptians, ancient Egyptian kings would be buried with all of their gold and their precious treasure because they believed that if they were buried with all their treasure that they would take it with them to the afterlife. But we know when archaeologists and historians excavate Egyptian coffins, you see the mummified body, but you also see all the treasure. It has remained. It didn't go with them to the afterlife. But then think of Moses. He lived with the Egyptian kings, the pharaohs. He was raised in the palace. He had luxury beyond his wildest dreams. But Hebrews 11 tells us that Moses chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. When we serve God with our wealth, it's sacrificial. It's uncomfortable to hear sermons like this. We are serving. In a way, he is our master. We live for him. But he's not a slave driver. Our master, the Lord Jesus, is a good God. He's loving and he's kind and he's generous. He's easy. And he'll never let us go without. Part two next week. As we serve him, as we build our treasure in heaven, treasure that will never fade or rust, it will last forever. And so, where is your treasure? Who are you going to serve? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are the creator of the universe and everything there is belongs to you. And we thank you so much that you have blessed us with some of that for our lives, 
for the lives of those around us. We thank you that we live in a society that, that is so well off that we are, compared to many people in the world, able to live well. But Lord, we know too that that raises big dangers for us because our hearts are sinful and we can easily drift off to worshipping our wealth. And Lord, we're sorry for when we do that. Change our hearts. Change our stubbornness. Change how we cling on to the things that we have. Forgive us for fearing not having because we trust in our possessions. Please help us to know what it means to store our treasure in heaven. To give of ourselves. To know the joy of that. And to know the one in whom to know you who gave your son so generously so we could have life. Please help us, Lord.